podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of... And Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Now we have got another packed lineup with obviously highlights and talking about the Burnley game that went on, uh, being able to assess the games that are coming up, and also the Champions League draw that has taken place with Liverpool in arguably one of the biggest groups of death I have seen in a very, very long time. Um, so that's all to come on the podcast. Um, and we're going to discuss Burnley first. Obviously, another game, another clean sheet. Liverpool looking strong this season. But firstly, how, how's your week been, Ammo? What's been going on in the life of Ammo? <laughs> the life of Ammo? Um, work, kids, kids, work. Work, kids, kids, work. <laughs> work, kids. And then occasional bit of football. <laughs> occasional, bit of, occasional bit of working out, playing football or playing tennis. Um, and then that's it. You know, um, I'd love to sit here and say that. I research football all day every day to be, you know, a brain in this pod, but <laughs> I get my information through a podcast and uh, and social media. <laughs> that's how that's how I, I work these days. Um what about yourself, mate? What about yourself? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, I suppose we say about us being big Liverpool fans. Obviously, we're really big sports fans. Um and just for anyone that doesn't know, Amo started up a community tennis. Um, in his local area, so that seems to be going well. You're getting good crowds at it, and like I know you love the tennis. You've been on tennis podcasts and stuff like that as well. Um, so I know I know you love that. Is it? Uh, has it been going well? Enjoying it? Yeah, we get good turnouts. Um, it's been good weather. Think about tennis; it's a seasonal sport. Really, you can only really play in the summer unless you've got indoor facilities. And then the wee places to where I live, um, it's one thing that's not had for a long, long time um, since the nineties. And then recently, um, a new school opened that's got like top class facilities, and we're basically forming a tennis club, basically from scratch. Which mm. is, uh, if anyone listens to podcasts, has been in that kind of dynamic of creating a sports team. You know, I'm sure a lot of local um, football teams have had this issue, but creating something like a tennis club is not easy. There's a lot, of, a lot of things that go into. It. I'm on a committee and stuff, and uh, it's, it's it's very tedious. But it's done through the love of the love of the game of tennis that I have, like I do for football. And you know, it's going great. I run a social tennis every Wednesday evening, and I say we're getting big numbers, and um, to the point where like there's too many people for the court, which is great. And um, but then come December when it's raining, um, there'll be no one to be seen. So it's a shame, but that's just the way it is with tennis. Um, but the good thing about the winter, football keeps me through. And every time football finishes in the summer, if there's no tournaments, which just the normally is. I watched Wimbledon and I love that. So I'm happy. I'm a happy man. Um, but yeah, coming to um, some of this year, we've got the World Cup. So um, it'll be World Cup and Wimbledon for me. But no, I'm going great, Danny. Thanks for asking. Um, but yeah, there's not much tennis going on at the moment. The US Open next week. But let's get stuck into Liverpool and uh, the brilliant start to the season. Yeah, definitely. Because as we said, two games, two clean sheets. And as we said, just before we came on, on air, you predicted 2-0 um, for this game. I said that we were either going to lose it 1-0 or absolutely smash it 3-4. or four. Uh, I think you were quietly confident that it was going to be harder than Norwich, which was a 3-0. Uh, so you went for 2-0 and obviously predicted quite correct. So how did you how did you see the game as it panned out? 
was just a comfortable, comfortable victory, wasn't it? Again, there was a few moments where Arsenal had to pull out saves, but um, the return of the fans at Anfield, which is a big thing, um, and it was just a very professional, comfortable performance. Shout out to Harvey Elliott. We had that discussion last week, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, when you said proper three, three of the many in there, and I said, no, actually, I think he's going to have a big part, and sure, boy, did he have a big part of playing that game. Um, so I was happy about that because I was kind of happy in getting that right. Um, but Burnley are just a tricky team. They're just a team like Bolton, Bolton Wonders of old, almost. And everyone listening to this knows what I'm on about. They're just a team that you just know are going to be physical, be hard to beat, you'll throw everyone behind the ball. Um, and yeah, we won. And we won comfortably, Danny. I mean, what, what can you say? It was, it, was, it was great to see. More minutes on the belt to like a Van Dyke, some of a clean sheet. Um, and just, you know, Good day for the Paris, as yeah, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely was. Do you know what? Last week's podcast, they were sort of the main talking points, was all about Harvey Elliott and obviously the result that we were going to get against Burnley. And both of them I got massively wrong. So anyone that's like a big fan of the podcast, if you're looking through our episodes in a couple of weeks and you wonder why last week's episode has been randomly deleted, it's because I obviously was talking absolute garbage and didn't know what I was on about. <laughs> well, the only... Well, <laughs> I think the only thing I got right was the fact that I said about how uh, Tomiscus was going to really play a good part this season. He was a good player, so he had a solid performance last week. Uh, and he came into the Burnley game, got man of the match, really good performance up and down that line. He'd done like a Andy Robertson-esque, I don't know if you've seen, towards the end of the game. Um, sort of Towards the end of the game, it's, it's closing out. There's nothing really to be playing for. And Tomiscus done this run up the left-hand side, chasing all these players down to chase down the ball, obviously, which is what Andy Robertson is well known for, not long after he joined Liverpool. And he's just got that that passion and desire for wanting to play well, um, which was good to see. All round, I think the whole team were, were solid. We didn't look, again, same as what we said against Norwich, it looked like we had two or three other gears to be able to potentially go into. Um, but yeah, solid performance, another clean sheet. And we keep rocking on, so can't complain at all. Yeah, and it was um, it was good to get Manny on the score sheet for the season as well, early in the, in, early in the doors. Um, <clears throat> I say, yeah, I think to miscast Watson Robbo, he's a perfect example, isn't he? He's a couple of years younger than Robbo, and you know I don't think there's a better left back in the world at the moment now. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but Andy Robson is on form, he's on five, he's fast, he's aggressive, he's won everything. He's Scotland captain, you know, he's got a bit of err in him. And I just think he's just, you know, if you're watching him week in, week out, he's had a year of watching him. And, um, you, you know, you, you cannot anything but be inspired by a, a player like that, you know. Um, mm. I've been plenty, plenty of games um, in, in, in the past in Liverpool and, you know, over here in the island of Ireland where, I'm sure you've been sitting there on the bench, Danny, watching the left backs and getting inspired by them as well. <laughs> so um, I'm sure you can relate it to, to Miss Gasser's position. <laughs> I'm offended that you think that I'd be sitting on a bench at any game. Uh, <laughs> definitely shot fired there. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. I think I think it was proved. I was listening to another podcast the other day, and I think they summed it up well. Is that it, it shows how much Andy Robertson is worth and how good he is as a player. Liverpool haven't necessarily bought a lot during the summer, but they've made sure that they've tied him down. Obviously, had a new contract given to him, signed it yesterday. And as someone said on this podcast I was listening to, is that every team in the world at the moment is looking for an Andy Robertson. But we don't need to look because we've got the one that, that we've got. 
Um, and as you said, he's probably the best left back, if not one of the best full backs in the entire world, uh, and definitely in the Premier League at the moment. So, yeah, lot to be excited about, lot to be going forward and looking forward to as we go into a very, very big game at the weekend. Um, but just one more shout out on this as we as we look as we look to the back to that game. Obviously, the big discussion point, and we discussed it a lot during the summer, was the front three: the the Mane, Salah, Firmino, like. Two goals, two games up to now for Jota. He's really pushing for that starting place, isn't he? Well, how do you think that's going to pan out over the next coming weeks? Yeah, well, the exact same thing happened last year, didn't he? Um, and I think um, six or seven games, they need to score four or five goals. And I remember there's lots of arguments. How do you fit all four of them in the same team? And there was people like I think yourself, Danny, were saying that we should maybe drop Firmino and throw Jota in. And that's what's happened so far this season. But... Um, it's just good to see because at the end of the day, if you've got four people for three positions and they're all fighting and firing, that, that, that's just what you want. Firmino got his goal last week and Manny got a goal this week. Salah was very unlucky enough to get a goal the weekend as well. You know, we know Mo Salah will turn up. We know the, the type of numbers he's going to produce. Um, and yeah, it's just good to have that competition in places. So how do I say it? I don't know. I think as long as Jota stays fit because he did have a couple of injuries last season which kind of broke his season as long as he stays fifth, I don't see any reason why he won't be probably starting more games than not. And, and Klopp might just do what he did to, in some big games last season and play all four of them, because that's always a possibility. So, um, yeah, it's food for thought. Let's see what happens. Um, but, yeah, as any Liverpool fan would say, who cares who's scoring, as long as we are scoring. Mm. And um, it would be good to see Jota get a full season under his belt, you know, 35, 40 games. And see what numbers he can actually produce because he's still young, um, and he is just he's a goal scorer, isn't he? He's not, he's not one of the. I know he done that that run do a week where he run past like four or five players, and he's got that in his locker. But he's not a Salah, is he? He's not most Salah's going to run down the wing and come in and come out. He wants he just gets goals. He just wants he's like a poacher, and it'll be interesting to see him if it were a full season behind him how many goals he can get for the football club. So um, I, I think a, a fully fifth bar in Jota all season. I think you're looking mid-20s myself. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting. I think that one of the big discussion points of last season when it came to Jota was that we kept discussing about the fact that Firmino generally hasn't been playing as well as what he had been in previous seasons. We come into this season, Jota's starting and he's scoring goals, but Firmino obviously has come off the bench twice and played really, really good football. So it's nice to be able to have that competition where all the players are actually fighting. Now they know, right, I need to try and cement this place. So Firmino's not coming off the bench thinking, oh, well, Jota's just coming on for a bit of a cameo and I'll be back next week. The player, now Jota's playing every week thinking, I need to score to make sure I'm in the starting lineup next week. And Firmino's coming on going, I need to steal this place back from you. And as a Liverpool fan and as someone who wants us to really push on this season and have a good chance of winning the league, you need strikers with that type of attitude. So it's only going to work out well. It's only going to work out for the club. It's only going to work out well for the fans. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic goes. And as you said, big shout out to Salah for all the wrong reasons. First game back at home, all the fans, I thought, he's going to absolutely dominate this game. So I'll put him as triple captain on the fancy league and he's done absolutely nothing. Ruined it for me. Ruined it. <laughs> there you go, there you go. <clears throat> oh, as you said, it's going to be interesting. We've got a big game coming up next week. Uh, oh, oh, this week, isn't it? Uh, against Chelsea. 
So it's going to be an interesting one to be able to go. We've got a special guest coming on uh, that's been on our podcast before, uh, Padraig, who's going to be coming on because he's going to the Chelsea game. So it'll be interesting to get his reaction as somebody that's going to be actually at the match uh, to get his reaction. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the second half of the pod, as well as that amazing Champions League draw that went on just this morning. So until then, we're just going to take a quick break. Uh, and thank you so much for listening to Hamo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Well, there we go. That was a quick um, snap by in the first half of the pod discussing Burnley there. But in the second part, we're going to discuss um, Chelsea um, coming up this Saturday night. Um, the Champions League draw, which is... It was a cracker, wasn't it? And um, it's transfers, you know? So... Um, what I'll do just before we, we mention Chelsea, um, good luck to, I'm sure everyone, all the pro fans will join me in saying this, good luck to Shaqiri um, and his move to, to Leon. Um, I thought, Danny, just, just <clears throat> quickly before we, we talk about Chelsea, he had a few highlights against United, obviously, mm. um, Barcelona, he set up a couple of goals, which was a highlight. I think, when you think about Shaqiri, I don't think anyone's going to look at him and think he was a flop. I just think he was a very, very, very talented player. That was probably, you know, fourth or fifth on the pecking order of very, 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 very talented players in his time at Liverpool. And he probably would have got more game time if it wasn't for injuries. And he's very, 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 very talented players. Would you agree with me on that sentiment, Danny? Yeah, I think it all depends on how you look at it. Like, I I would never look at Shaqiri being at Liverpool and think, ah, he was rubbish. Like, you've got to think of the mentality that was going on at the time is that we didn't sign Shaqiri to be a starting player and to set the world alight and to do what he'd been doing at Stoke and other clubs like that, uh, or even Bayern Munich when he was there. We bought Shaqiri for the purpose of being a backup to the likes of Salah and Mane and just to help push those positions a little bit. As you said, to be able to finish at a club where you was going to be second, sometimes third choice going into a game and to come on and have some of the impact that he did, as you said, Barcelona game and the United ones that sort of stand out, uh, that assist last season for Salah's goal, that big one from the left-hand side coming over for Salah to control. Uh, moments like that, he had moments of magic. Um, and to be able to do that, you think we've, we've signed players in the past and even have players at the moment that are second, third choice, that are generally going to come in and do a job and have a career and finish at the end. And it's going to be like, oh yeah, that was nice to have them. But for Shaqiri to produce some of the moments that he did coming in as a second or third choice, like, I think it was nothing but a success. As you said, he probably had too many injuries, but that's just because he's coming to the latter end of his career. And you're always going to have a lot of leg injuries when you've got calves like that man because they're giant. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. But yeah, no, good luck to Shakira Leon. And as I say, my my, uh, my forever last moment really when he came on against United and scored two goals um, in a season that we won the league. And as I say, in that, in that particular season, um, that was a big game for us at the moment, at, at that time against United. So, um, oh, sure. As you say, big, big magic moments. Um, <clears throat> talking about big, big games and magic moments. Um, Danny, this Chelsea game, um, tell me if you agree with this or not. And, and people listening, you just tell me too. This Chelsea game, it's got like a, a bit of extra spice to it this weekend, doesn't it? Yeah, I think a lot of Liverpool fans have already made the comparison that opening two games at Chelsea up to now has been 3-0 and 2-0, exactly the same as Liverpool's. Um 
I think at the start of the season when I watched the first game, they were dominant. They played really good football. Uh, obviously, they beat Man City as well in the in the cup in the build up to the season. Um, so you were sort of thinking they're going to be good and they're going to really push this season. I think bringing in Lukaku, I watched him in that last game and he's just next level. Like he's he's come in with fire in his belly to want to really perform. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting one because I think. Liverpool are used to playing against really strong players. You look at Burnley last weekend and their strikers are really strong, they're really physical, or they're used to playing against fast strikers. They're not used to playing against someone like Lukaku that has both in the bag, that he is fast and he is powerful and he is strong. And I think whoever is alongside Van Dijk in that game is going to have a really hard game because Lukaku will target them and he will bully them. And I think if we can control Lukaku, we control the game. But I think he's going to be a hard man to control. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> naturally, you would throw Van Dijk up against him. And in the times, he, I agree with what you're saying. Whoever plays with Van Dijk is going to test the ball. It will also be a big test for Van Dijk. Mm. It'll be interesting. Foot race with Lukaku. You know, the strength and the pace, who comes on top. And um, I think see that first, maybe, that first maybe sprint or that first maybe challenge. Van Dijk versus Lukaku, whoever wins that could have a big say in the game psychologically because um, he's just a monster at the moment. And as I say, I think in this game, I think Chelsea winning the, winning the Champions League they and Tuchel coming in, I think they've secured the, the name in the elites this year again after having a bit of a sticky patch. Mm. And uh, excuse me, and I think it's going to be a very, very fine, spicy game Saturday night, you know. Um, but it's a game that if we win or get a good result out of, um, what a, what a, what a what's the word I'm trying to use it? But what a platform for Liverpool just before the international break to beat Chelsea, it would be um, it'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? It would certainly lay down the markers. But equally for Chelsea, if Chelsea beat Liverpool, I've got to take my Liverpool goggles off for a second. Wouldn't that put down the platform for them as well? Um, so in saying that, it's probably going to be nil, isn't it? <laughs> um, I'd struggle to think that it's going to be nil-nil only because like people have obviously we've seen a lot on social media pages and stuff that the atmosphere was electric against Burnley in, in the middle of the day um, last week you think this is going to be under the floodlights against Chelsea big game on the Saturday night like I can't see it going any other way than it being just a ridiculous atmosphere and I think the fans will have a lot to say. Being at Anfield, first big game back in a long time, I think it's it's just going to be electric. I'm sure they're working on it. And I think I say about whoever's alongside Van Dyke because I remember watching an interview with Lukaku a while back um, with Jamie Carragher. And we won't talk about the fact that Jamie Carragher was wearing an Everton training kit at the time. Um, but he'd done this interview with Lukaku, and Lukaku was talking about his psychology of playing. And that was when he was back at Everton. And he spoke about the fact that he made sure he's constantly moving and he likes being a lone striker because then he can pick what defender he's going to come up against. And he's speaking about the fact that he makes sure that he makes his runs so that he's always hitting the weakest centre-back at the most critical point. So I'm sure Liverpool are working on that. But obviously Lukaku has grown a lot since then. He's been able to hone his game in a lot more. It'll be interesting just to see how his movement works. Obviously he's got got Havertz and probably Mason Mount either side of him, but they kind of drop back and let him be the holding man. Um, so it's just, it's just going to be fascinating. There's just going to be battles all over the pitch. Fabinho's back for us, hopefully. 
um, on Saturday night. So that's going to give a really interesting game against Jorginho and Kovacic and stuff like that, uh, and how they they manage that Henderson back. There's just there's going to be battles all over that pitch, and yeah, I think it's probably the first game of the season that I think it's it's a really hard one to predict how it's going to go. Yeah, there's going to be fireworks. Um, hopefully, Salah can produce another moment like he did a few years ago. Do you remember the, the absolute peach of a goal he got outside of his left foot? Top yeah. in. That was brilliant. Um, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you don't want to hype these games up too much because sometimes they do be um, you know, stalemates or such, but ugh, two top teams going at each other. And um, I think it's the first real big test of the season. And I think... Um, Football's about psych, you know, all in the mind sometimes because you know everyone's top quality. I think these little advantages like beating Chelsea early on the season could help. But it's early days. Um, what would you say your prediction would be, Danny, for this game? Uh, it's I said it's it's so difficult um, because you look at the you look at it and generally from the start of the season Chelsea have been playing with a back three, so it means that if they carry on like that with with Reece James and Alonso pushing on further, you're looking at being one on one at the back for them. And I think Jota and Mane and Salah have got enough in them that they should be scoring goals. But at the same time, I just think that that aerial battle, if they can get that ball out to the wing and be whipping it in for Lukaku to really use his strength, I think it's. I can't see it being a nil-nil. I'm going to say that I think it'll be 3-2 to Liverpool. I'm going to go 3-2. I think I think the fans will help to sort of almost suck the ball into the net in that second half. It's going to be electric. Um, yeah, I'm going to go 3-2 Liverpool. I can see it being a scoring game. All good to see. Entertaining football is what we love to see. I'm going to be a little bit more fit in the fence. Um, I've known you too long. Um, and I'm going to go 2-2, I think. Um I fancy, I don't know why I'm saying this, but fancy Van Dyke to score. I've just got a feeling that Van Dyke will score, you know. Um, so 2 2 with a Van Dyke goal. That's my prediction for um, this weekend against Chelsea. Now, now, now. So obviously, um, we're going to discuss the Champions League um, in a couple of minutes, but we can't, um, we can't do this pod. Which we're now recording this on the 26th of August, which is the Thursday evening before the weekend. And all as you see, all over social media right now. Um, we had Messi a couple of weeks ago, just you know, took over the world for a couple of days, which is understandable. It's <laughs> you know, Messi. Um, I don't know if it's coincidence or what you want to call it, but all I've read today and heard today is Ronaldo to Manchester City. Um, Danny, I mean, hey, we could be sitting here next week and he could be away to Saudi Arabia. Who knows? You know what football's like, but let's say. Ronaldo does go to Manchester City. Um, put it into words, like what what that means for world football and and for the Premier League. I think it's just it's just baffling, isn't it? Just as it comes towards the end of the summer here, we sort of thought things are, are wrapping up. There's not really going to be too much else going on in the transfer market. And then, as you said, two big stories really today with with Ronaldo potentially going to Man City and then Madrid putting in a 145 million pound bid for Mbappe. Um, so there's the potential of all these different movements going on. Talk about Mbappe being uh, not being happy at PSG anymore with Messi being there um, and wanting to see this as the moment to establish himself in Spanish football. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's fascinating the the Ronaldo Man City one dominating the media for all the right reasons really. Um, big player, like I think Juventus have showed the the hand too early. 
They're asking for, for £25 million for them. But all the clubs know that Juventus are basically, if they keep Ronaldo for another season, they're going to almost go bankrupt. So they know that, that if they hold out long enough, Juventus are basically going to drop the tag and give Ronaldo away for free, which is just crazy to think that a player of Ronaldo's calibre could go away for free. Um, and the same same with Messi, I suppose, being in the same boat. But it's like to think, I was shocked, I don't know about you, but I was shocked at the fact that he might go to Man City. The, the reputation he's got at United, the career he built there, the reputation he's got with Alex Ferguson, I'm sure he's... Like, I'm sure he's blubbering away out there through his giant red nose, like, sad about what's going on here. Uh, but it's just, like, for me, it's just baffling because it's going to ruin his reputation there. And especially if he goes and then wins the league with City and really dominates in the way that he's dominated in every country so far. Um, so, obviously, as a Liverpool fan, I'm buzzing. But, like, I was, just, I was shocked that he was prepared to make that move. It would be brilliant to see Ronaldo go to City, wouldn't it? Just to be... You know, all the United fans, that's CR7 this and CR7 that. Um, and imagine he went to City, it would just, I don't care, it would be brilliant to see and it would make my day. Um, Football-wise, where does he fit in? You know, you know, realistically, where does he fit in? Does he be the, 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 the Harry Kane that they're not going to get? Um, can he cut it at 36? It's all right doing it in the way Italian league that isn't no good no more. You know, it's like doing it at Real Madrid when they got all these runners about him and stuff. I know he would have had city, but it'll be interesting because I would always say, now I've always been a Mexican man before Ronaldo, but it'll be interesting to see if he can actually do it in the Premier League at the age of 36. Um, I've seen an interview with Wayne Rooney today and saying, oh, I would never go to City, couldn't see it. If you get Wayne Rooney, he's only 35, 36. You know, so and he was slowing at Derby last season before he retired to become a manager because he realised his legs were gone. So could Ronaldo do it? You know, who knows? It'd be interesting to see, but from a football point of view, City, you know, being big rivals of Liverpool, I wouldn't be that scared or that bothered, to be honest. Hey, would you? I don't know. It's interesting. I think, first of all, on that comment, I think we've got to say that if you look at Ronaldo and look at Wayne Rooney, I think they have very slight different eating regimes. Uh, I think Ronaldo keeps himself just a little bit better. Um, but, like, for me... I would almost say that Ronaldo is the perfect number nine for Man City. Because you think of the way that Man City play football and even like Sergio Aguero last season, things like that. They play from out wide in. And most of their goals, you think of Aguero's goals last season, most of those goals happen inside that 18-yard box, normally around the penalty spot or even on the edge of the six-yard box. They're brought right in from the likes of Sterling, from the likes of Grealish, who it'll be now, from... Uh, Mares and boys like that and almost cut into the box so for a player like Ronaldo sitting at number 9 for Man City he's going to be needing to make 10-15 yard runs and just be clinical in front of goal because he'll get the he'll get the service he'll get the ball on that 6 yard box or on that 18 yard box or on the penalty spot and all he needs to do is put it away and if anyone can put the ball away inside the box, it's Ronaldo, whether it be in the air or whether it be on the floor. I, I think he, I think he potentially, if he comes in and bees this, their number nine sitting up top, I think he could potentially get like 25, 30 goals this season. Wow, interesting, interesting thoughts, Danny. But is he going to win them the Champions League? Do you know what? I have to say I disagree on this one. I think he'll come in, he'll get goals, obviously. I mean, I've got goals from Man City. You've got goals from Man City. You know, my dog will get goals from Man City. You know, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I see it as being a 
and money scope, or as I say, maybe because of Juventus finances. But um, anyway, enough about that. Excuse my French. <laughs> Liverpool are in the Champions League this season, and we fought for it like hell. Looking back at Arsenal last season, the goal we scored, and you know, we earned our place in the Champions League, and the draw came out today. And it's, um, I described it on social media today as a juicy uh, draw. Um, Athletic Home did Porto and AC Milan um, in our group. Um, Danny, obviously, quick mention to City and PSG drawing each other, which is quite funny. Um, that you know, that'd help with the Messi and Arnold comparisons, but anyway. That's all, Danny. What can we say about that? I mean, it's tough, isn't it? No point in lying. I think saying it's juicy is an absolute understatement because it's just ridiculous um, how how crazy this is actually going to be. Uh, I love the fact that they put it today that they were like, ah, oh, like it, it's almost a group of death that you've got Madrid, Liverpool, Porto, AC Milan. There's 15 Champions Leagues between them. I think that's a little bit like. Yes, they do, but but like it's pretty split evenly between two teams, and the other teams have maybe give it once over uh, previously. But like in terms of clubs and the way that they're playing, I think it's a ridiculous group. There's some great groups, some great ties out there, as you said, like some Man City and PSG, like Inter Milan, who, who played really really well last season. Whether they've whether they'll manage to keep enough good players to be able to even form anything in this Champions League, who knows? But them against Real Madrid. Potentially a big tie as well. Uh, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, another one. Benfica, very much a, a dark horse in that one. Uh, along with my namesake, Danny Mokiev, that are in that one. Um, <laughs> but I think there's there's great ties all over the place. But I think to be able... We said we wanted Champions League football at Anfield with the fans this season. And we've definitely got it in this group stage. Because every one of these is going to feel like a knockout game. Because it's just all big names. I think it's going to, like, I can't predict, honestly, I can't predict who's going to finish top two in that league. It's all about who turns up on the day. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think the floodlights at Anfield, if you've got a ticket for one of those games this season, then um, it's going to be some atmosphere and you're very, very, very lucky. Um, I do see Porto as being probably the easiest game of the three. Mm. Um, but Porto, again, have some pedigree in Europe, in, in, in Europe and of all the lesser leagues, Porto are always a team that they, they're no pushovers. You know, you never see Porto getting stuffed. You? you mentioned that Dynamo Kiev there, and you know, teams like Olympiacos and Malmo's, and you know, in the past, CSAK Sophia. And what my point and what I'm trying to say is, you see a lot of teams that are regulars in the Champions League, but they're also regulars to get beat comfortably in the Champions League. Porto wouldn't be considered in my eyes a top top team in the Champions League, but they're regular and they, they don't get stuffed. They don't get stuffed. They all, it's always one nil, two one. So they've got pedigree in this competition. Atletico Madrid, you know, Luis Suarez back to Anfield again. Um, the players that they've got are just you know the, the last game that we played in the Champions League on the on the, on the floodlights was against Atletico Madrid, and we were knocked out. Yeah, you know, and then AC Milan. I mean. Does anyone need to even mention the history between Liverpool and AC Milan in the Champions League? You, know, you just don't need... It's almost pointless talking about it. Everyone knows about it. Um, and, and I'm sure a certain Mr. Zlatan will have something to say about that game as well. Um, that's why he's, he's got his retirement fund in AC Milan so he can play in games like this. Um, but I don't know what to say. All I can say is that's the toughest draw I've seen Liverpool in the Champions League. Um, knock out the group, group stages in probably 
10 years, maybe. I, I don't remember being a tougher draw, that's the truth. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think it's, it's uh, yeah, Porto with no pushover at all. Uh, Atletico Madrid and AC Milan both got strong lineups. Um, nice mix. AC Milan got a real good mix at the minute of sort of uh, older, experienced players and then youthful players as well. So I think they've got a lot to draw on in those games. Uh, a lot of players that have played against Liverpool before have played in the Premier League before. You look at the likes of Olivia Giroud and players like that. Um, they've got a lot to be able to call on. Um, I just think it's going to be fascinating. As I said, for me, it's it's all about who turns up on the day. My heart is telling me that that Atletico and Liverpool will finish top two. Um, but I think AC Milan will have a lot to say about that, Jordan, those games. I agree. And I think Porto has a lot to say about it. I think it really is a toss of the coin. But um, if there's one thing that could potentially make the difference, I think it could be the fans. Mm. And uh, we are the greatest fans in the world. So we're, we've got that to look forward to. But as I say, let's take one game at a time. Um, and we've got Chelsea um, at the weekend. Um, quick shout out to um, your friend, who's still top of the um, fancy league, isn't it? What's yeah, he's just got he's just gone back. He's just gone back because I tried to I, I had the most points of anyone in that entire league this week in the fancy football. If you're listening to this and you're not on our fancy football, you need to get on it. Uh, and the code is on our Facebook page and on our social media pages. Um, but yeah, I had the most points of anyone going into that. And then West Ham played against Leicester on the Monday. I had Jamie Vardy in my team who's done nothing. Uh, and West Ham dominated the game, and he absolutely battered me. Um, so yeah, Donny's still sitting top of that fancy league. So so well done, but we're we're coming for you, like we're coming for you. <laughs> there you go, and he's still sitting a few places above me, Danny. So well done in that. So we'll uh, we'll do a wee feature on that next week. But in the meantime, guys, um, thank you for listening. It's, it's been a great pod. Uh, a lot of discussion. We jammed a lot in there, Danny, uh, didn't we? But uh, yeah, thank you for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.